When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff right to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 20, 25, more the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house! Howdy, folks, and welcome back to Viva La Cats. I'm your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are the Cincinnati Podcast representing the 1012 Network. We host Bearcats Spaces pretty much weekly. We've been slacking a little bit, but there's one that we have to cover uh, that we did not get to cover on Spaces, and that is Game 3 of the Big 12 slate for the Bearcats. We are officially 1-2 and two to start off non or conference play and there's a lot of different opinions but overall i think the i think the vibes are positive it's not one and two looks really good compared to how we've done which is far superior to that i i, I don't think this record reflects how well the bearcats have played i think there's a lot of things that we need to clean up but if you told us that we we're going to be one and two and we were going to take all these teams down to the wire the full way through. I think anybody would have taken that, Steve. Yeah. Uh, if you're telling me that we would have played the first three teams on our conference schedule, all ranked games. And then, by the way, next three three games will all likely be against ranked teams as well. And we went one and two um, again with how, you know, my expectations were after the a, a couple games that will leave in 2023. I am like constantly surprised by this team and by the fact last night justin no aziz and still were able to keep it yeah a one possession game obviously we could talk about the end of the game but um <laughs> i do think that you know this is still that byu win is like doing numbers for me right now um and i think that they you know that it's a lot closer than what i thought it might be i kind of thought that you know playing against these teams that have been playing big 12 basketball for years playing much better for years uh a lot some of them having better talent than us i definitely thought we were walking into a murderer's row and you know maybe the first three games are just a mirage but it looked great so far i mean i can't really complain justin about a 10 point blow a 10 point win on the road and then two one possession losses where one you arguably should have had and one where you had a chance to win all with your last possession yeah well and this is something I threw up, but I wanted to highlight this. Through those first three games, the Bearcats are are plus seven in scoring, which shows you how close these games are considering the fact that one of those games was a double-digit win. Um, rebounding were plus 15. Points in the paint were plus 22. 
And like I said, we've been neck and neck all game long. There's not been one single game so far that has gotten away from us. There's been games where we've had, you know, a slide for three, four or five minutes, but there's not been a single game where the gap has opened up and it's just held and we have not been able to catch up or we have not been able to take a lead. I think we've had a lead in all of these games as well, which is really good too, because given what we were all told and what we should have expected going into this conference, we were expecting to look how UCF looked the first game that they played against Kansas state, where it was just going to be ugly. And not, I'm not going to lie. Like I knew that we were in a much different place than UCF, but watching that game before we got ours after that BYU game. And I was like, all right, now we got a couple more ranked games and we've got some incumbent hateful eight teams. I'm a little scared, but against Texas, against Baylor, Bearcats through and through found a way to stay in it until the final possession to one one shot game. And I think the worst part too, is in all of these situations, the Bearcats had leads that they could have protected or had leads that could have ended up winning them the game, but a free throw here, a turnover here, a missed shot here, those few tiny little things start compounding. And unfortunately, sometimes it'll get the better of you at the end of the game. Um, the one thing I really want to cover about this Baylor game, unfortunately, again, it was, I think it was a 62-59 loss. Yeah, 62-59 loss on the road. And you held one of the best offensive teams in the country to 62 points. That's really saying something. And I think that shows the amount of progress that we've made. And at first I was a little like, okay, maybe maybe the Bearcats defense and all of that is just a fluke because BYU shot bad. And then we played Texas, who had a decent offense, but had a great defense. And then we played Baylor, who has a fantastic offense. And these teams have been held under 75 points. Like, this is a thing that's like, of course, you know, you're going to try to have as much defensive coverage as you can. But I think we've done a good job, and it's not all on teams missing shots. I think it really comes down to Bearcats playing tough, playing gritty every single possession, having guys like John Newman, who are super scrappy on the court, having guys try to get in and create plays i think that that's such a huge thing that felt very missing in the front half when we had our non-conference slate against those other q1 opponents so i think you know everything felt like it was going up for a long time here in this game and then scott drew called a timeout they switched to the zone and then everything kind of went downhill and unfortunately you know you don't come out on top in the end of it but you have so many of these games that are one possession close at the end you're going to come out on top eventually Yep. Yeah. And then I think it's just really, again, working through some of these games and I'm taking it more as a positive that we are staying right there within these games, missing two guys who are likely starters, especially in this last game with Aziz and CJ. Um, we still don't know about the CJ progress. Um, we, we might not see him again. Um, it just, that hamstring has really dogged him for his whole college career. And I feel bad for the guy, but you know, Aziz, too, his back is really hurting him. And so apparently he tried to do something to make it better, which just made it worse. So hopefully we can have those guys back against TCU. But, um, Justin, I just wanted to play this clip real quick. This is from our friend Ryan Roberts um, that we've had on the show before. And this is a clip of Scott Drew talking about Wes Miller um, and just about how much he he likes the team. Uh, with uh, West Miller, um, he's done a great job with WWE his, his tenure in there, a short period of time. 
Uh, he's brought in a great roster. Uh, and he's been one of the best compliments a coach could ever get enough, give another coach to your team play really hard. And uh, I mean, they really put them uh, very physical. So uh, very impressed with them. Uh, obviously, first go around, you learn a lot more about some somebody's teams and, and players. Normally in this league, I, it, what makes it so good is it's hard to out-coach anybody because coaches are really good. It's, it's a player's league and players make plays. So, I mean, you know, that's one of the a national title winning coach talking well about our coach. And um, I think it was like a Big 12 Bearcats or somebody on the timeline today is like all these other coaches recognize what Bearcat fans cannot. And I'm not going to go that far. I do think that some of our fans are a little bit down on West, especially in these late game situations and only seeing the the molehill before seeing the mountain, which is that. Look at how far we've come from the end of the Brandon era to year one and year two to right here, being able to be on the doorstep of winning, like arguably possibly being three and zero in the Big Twelve. Like, yeah, to me, I'm taking that as a positive right now. If we start losing these games by more or continuing to not win these one possession, two possession games, then maybe the tide will turn for me. But right now, I'm just three games in. I'm taking it just as a positive. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of you know ups and downs. There's a lot of finicky stuff, but let's let's be real. You win on the road at BYU, you're a travel away from being two and zero, a missed travel call away from being two and zero, and then you're one made layup or one made three at the end of the game away from being three and zero. So again, on the road. I mean, I think what the Bearcats have done so far is really impressive. Like we've said, against expectations, and looking forward for what we have over the next few games and throughout the rest of the season. I'm really curious to see how they keep the ball rolling. I am very encouraged by everything that I've seen so far. I think it is, again, just a few of those little ticky-tack things like free throws, turnovers, controlling those possessions, making sure that we're taking good looks all the time, taking good shots, not forcing anything. I think what I have noticed that was not happening earlier in the season that's happening now, we're playing a lot deeper into the shot clock. Of course, you don't want to have shot clock violations, but I don't know how many shot clock, shot clock violations we had throughout all of non-conference, but I'm pretty sure we've had more in these three games than we had up to then. And that just shows that they're trying to find a better shot. And I think that that's a really important thing that we look at as we're trying to measure out how this team is going to perform. If you're just hucking stuff up and you know we're not a very fast tempo offense, we're maybe top 100, but if you're just trying to huck stuff up, it's not really always going to work. And for, to be frank, especially from three, it has not been working for the Bearcats. So especially that's on the road. thing we need to solve. But um, like I said, I'm very encouraged. Uh, shout out to Dan Skillings. The, the, the amount of time that we waited for this guy to just kind of like find his groove and really start moving. He scored what, like 25 in like two other 25. games this yep. season. And so scoring 24 last night, I think is really impressive. The heat check run that he went on at the end of the game, this is what makes me feel encouraged. You look at the end of the Texas game, Seamus going unconscious. You look at the end of the Baylor game, Dan Skillings going unconscious. You have guys, and they're different guys, who are hitting that takeover button at the end of the game, and that's really good. Now we just need to find how to make those guys consistent and do that night in, night out. But I think so far we at least have somebody who's going to answer that call. It's just can we have the other guys around him to support him? Because 
in last night's game, it was a little rough if it wasn't Van Skillings. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I think that's just the battle with this team this year without having one of those top line guys like a Landers or a David Julius is mm-hmm. just seeing who's going to be that guy at the end of the game who's able to step up. And some of us are hoping it's Jizzle. Some are hoping it's Dan, maybe the CMOS, like you said. But um, whoever it is, we just need that that guy to show themselves because like I said, like I'm going to keep saying, 15 more games of the gauntlet. Y'all better be ready. Yeah. I mean, and speaking of the gauntlet, games we've got coming up. Um, this is one thing that I threw out earlier today. And so I think we've got enough votes that we might as well just call it here. Um, <clears throat> we start off one and two. We've got another three consecutive ranked games, as Steve mentioned earlier. So with eight total games in January, I want to know what everybody thought. What are the vibes of how many games we're going to get out of here? What's our record going to be at the end? Um, and of course, we have TCU, OU, at Kansas, UCF, and at West Virginia left. Um, and so the consensus vote was pretty tied, but between three and four and four and four was generally the consensus answer there. Um, not a lot of people hot on the five and three or six or two options. So um, I don't think anybody is expecting that. I don't think anybody's really hoping for that, but I think three and four, four and four, I think four and four, while it might seem like a stretch, given how tough this conference is, is very achievable. And I don't, th- and again, like we've said, you're two possessions away from being three and oh, and that's just far beyond where anybody thought that this would be. So I'm really encouraged by that. But speaking of those games coming up, TCU, TCU, <clears throat> oh, how do you package this whole deal in? They lost to number two, Kansas, on the road by two. They had lost to Nevada and Clemson earlier in the season, but they lost to number two, Kansas, on the road to start off Big 12 play. 83 to 81, one possession game. They then beat, following that, number nine, Oklahoma, and number two, Houston at home. Back-to-back games. So just like us, they had three ranked games to start. They had three top 10 games to start. And they went two and one. And one of those, they were one possession away. This TCU team is very underrated. And I think there's a legit shot that these guys could be killers by the end of the year. I I would even argue, Justin, that um, TCU should have probably won that game at Houston if it wasn't for the little home whistle there. Kansas. I'm sorry, at Kansas. That the the, the home whistle there that the Kansas group got. um, On There was a Kansas player on Kansas player crime because... Ernest Uday transferred away from Kansas to, to go to TCU, and uh, he was the one that got called for it. So, Bill um, Self, the bag man, at it again. Seriously, Justin. Um, <laughs> my dog, he hand selects those referees just to yep. make sure. Um, so, you know, if you know what, if you remember what Jamie Dixon's teams were like in the Big 12, tough defensive team, uh, that their no- offensive numbers have seemed to improve as, as his time at TCU has gone on. Um, they are averaging a, a scoring margin of 16.2 points per game, allow 67 points a game, score 84. Um, they shoot pretty well uh, from the – and I'm reading this all from bracketologist.com. You can look at the matchup there. Um, their defense, they they run guys off the uh, – well, about the same as us, 30.3 for them, 30.7 for us. Uh, we make more threes, and obviously when we're at home, um, that's a good thing. Uh, and then Justin – we know what we're going to talk about here. Free throws. 
you uh tcu is leading the battle there 73 percent to 68 and i don't want to harp on this but baylor game texas game probably could have won both of those with free throws i'm just saying <laughs> tcu also forces about six more turnovers uh per game uh, 16 turnovers per game more than the bearcats 12 um they average about four more turn takeaways than turnovers so it's just going to be a tough game man uh they're pretty close to us in the net uh we're 32 they're 29 they're 23 in Kempom. we're 33 uh right now i would say cincinnati would probably be like a one point favorite just because um you know we're the home team and while tcu has looked good and they will be ranked uh we saw what that did for texas last week yeah and i think what we got to look for justin during this game is one if aziz comes back that'll be huge um tcu does have like i said Ernest uday but i do think the bearcats can have some some size advantage there um uc does control the boards uh four more boards on average than tcu um so if if we can get aziz back and playing that would be great um and then if we can just again salt away one of these games late if we're in that position and, and able to take care of business this will be another huge win for the bearcats yeah and i mean I, I think some you know for me i think one of the things i look at is how well the bearcats can control some of the players you know when you've got some of these star guys in the court i think when i look at oklahoma which we'll get to in a second but also talking about tcu you've got a guy like emmanuel miller who has done a very good job of being their leading scorer, being their go-to guy and has showed up in some of these big games. And he's putting double digits on the board every single game. He's averaging almost 17 points a game. This is a guy that you have to control. I think that we did a very good job, you know, credit to day day in that when we locked up um, Asmus and the Texas game, taking out that key score will really keep you in a game. I can never figure out that guy's name, by the way. It's A-B-M-A-S, but it's pronounced Amos. As- Asmus? Yeah. Asmus? A- I don't know. Amos. Amos? I don't know. Yeah. I've seen it everywhere. I've seen all the different pronunciations. Explain. Yeah. I don't know. But regardless. <laughs> I just did. Amos. <laughs> it's, see, I think it's Amos, too. Or Abmus. Amos. Something. Yeah. I don't know. Too much talk on Texas. They're gone. We're, we're past that milestone. TCU, however, they've got four double-digit scores throughout their starting lineup and you know that's pretty good for game control you want to have a lot of your go-to guys we've seen a lot of that from the big 12 so far um you know in retrospect when you look at how the bearcats have performed i think we've done a pretty good job of keeping guys involved but we don't have that consistent you know four five sometimes six there's a few games i think baylor yesterday i think baylor had six double digit scores which really shows you how solidified their starting five is. And I think they even said on the broadcast that Scott drew had only played like one starting lineup the entire time. And this was the first time that he had switched a guy out. And that was like the second lineup versus Wes has played like eight starting lineups this year. And it's just been because of injuries and what have you other, you know, caveat weird nuances for however this season's gone. But so far, I think we've got a good shot against TCU they look really tough, but you got to be able to control the game. And if you can do that at home, use that environment, use that energy, really make sure that you're taking care of the boards too. That's clearly been a key for us. And if we can continue to do that, and if we have Aziz, I don't know if we have an official answer on him yet, but we've got two days to figure it out. If he can get back on the court, I think you've got a lot of uh, a really good chance to win that game. Um, and then 
looking forward to Oklahoma, like I said before, I think this is another thing that I've noticed. They have a lot of, you know, scoring from all of their team, but they too have two go-to guys and everybody else is pretty far behind. Um, they've got a 15 and 14 point score. The next closest is nine. And so their spread is a little bit tighter on just those two key guys for McCollum. And I don't even know how to say his name away. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. But those two guys key in on those guys, lock them down. I think the Bearcats defense has shown that it's getting a little bit grittier throughout the season. It's playing with a bit higher tenacity keep up the energy and shut some of these teams down. I think Oklahoma is a bit more winnable personally than yeah. TCU from what I've seen from TCU. So here's what I'll say about Oklahoma. Um, they play their next game at home against West Virginia, which should be a win for them. Man, West Virginia has fallen off extremely hard this year. Um, but they did then, take Texas. Yeah, fair enough. Um, they uh, So I will say, though, Oklahoma is uh, thirteen and three right now, but their last two losses are their were their first two road games of the year, and their next road game will obviously be in Cincinnati. So, if Cincinnati can really bring that intensity, um, you know they lost to TCU by nine, lost to Kansas by twelve. Obviously, two pretty good teams, but Cincinnati is right up there with in the net perspective and a Kempom perspective with TCU. So, I feel like if they if they've found some things that uh, if they can see some things in that TCU film that they like and then try see against TCU, they should be able to bring those things to the Oklahoma game. And I think it's just, again, getting healthy uh, on the team sheet here, just in the comparisons, Bearcats are only beating the Sooners and rebounding again. And I think, Justin, that is such a huge advantage for this year, just yeah. being able to to win those rebounding battles. And we talked about it last year. Most of the time when the Bearcats won the rebounding battle, they won the game. And yep. this year, they've been really competitive in the rebounding battle. They've had a lot of good stats. To, a lot of coaches are talking about how well they rebound and how well they play defense. So I, I think if they can continue to win these rebounding battles, they can continue to rack up these great performances and then just those last five minutes convert them into wins. Yeah, well, and this is one thing I want to ask you because I'm curious. If I had told you that by the time we're like, you know, just starting Big 12 play, we would be one of the best, like top three rebounding teams in the country. After what we saw last year, I think anybody would have thought you were crazy. Yeah. Like, and that's just, I think the craziest part is how much that has changed from last year to this year. Wes got into the portal. He found some key guys in Jamil and Aziz and Vic still doing his thing. And then we've got a few other guys who have the length and the athleticism to play a little bit more positionless basketball. They're finding a way to like, just keep control of the game by the boards. I mean, still one of my favorite quotes of all time in Bearcats lore, we got our ass beat on the glass, keep it up, keep this thing rolling. And I think you have a chance to stay in all these games because so far, what I've seen is there's no other team in the Big 12 that's really emphasized rebounding quite as much as we have. And I think my biggest complaint last year, aside from, of course, free throws, because every game it happens and it's just a Cincinnati thing. Last year, we'd huck up a shot and you'd see four guys running down the court. They were they were past the half court line by the time the shot hits the bucket, whether it goes in or not. And this year, we've got three guys staying in the paint. You got almost four 
you've got your full team trying to get those offensive rebounds. And I think it makes a huge difference because it's keeping us in the game and offensively on offensive rebounds, we're doing a fantastic job. That's the key to staying in these games, especially against the big 12, who is very good at rebounding. I think that, uh, you know, maybe the rebounds are also an inflated stat just because, you know, once the team shoots a three, usually, as you said, other teams will usually get back on defense and maybe we're just able to collect some more rebounds just from the fact that we are defending and they shoot a three brick. We get it. But you're right, though. Offensive rebounds, for example, last night, Bearcats win the offensive rebounding battle eight to six, eight to six. Um, I do think that getting those those little lay ins and putting points back up. You know, you got to get points any way you can in these games, Justin. And we've seen so far through three games how much of a war it is in the paint. And um, maybe not as much in BYU. They don't really have – I watched them against UCF yesterday, Justin. They they played with fire there and basically pulled it out at the end. UCF might be coming on a little bit more than expected. Maybe we just shouldn't count them as an automatic dub. But, um, you know, you, I think that was a bad matchup for BYU because – they can't score any in the paint and they're basically their all whole offense as we saw during that game was just shooting threes. And um, that's a credit to Wes. Like he knows how to limit a team when, you know, what's that old bill Belichick adage. He takes away your team's strength. Wes took away BYU strength in that game. And uh, I think the number one thing that he's proven to me this year, Justin, is that he, the man can coach like how many lineups, like you said, we've had to go through this year how many missing pieces we've had people come in and out of games availability due to injury. And we're still 12 and four. I mean, and with four, with three losses, well, I'll say with two, one possession losses, how about that? And then, you know, you could probably argue that maybe the Xavier game shouldn't have gotten away from us. Mm -hmm. Um, Other than that, like, man, what, like a, a, a turnaround from last year for sure just because people were like this guy can't coach and maybe the late game situations he's still reading some of the uh, literature on that trying to figure that out but you know as long as if we're just if we can just beat teams by 10 or more we don't have to worry about those in a game yeah. situation well and i think this is the most insane thing to me is that if you look at all the games we've played thus far this season i think the only game that's actually got away from us is Dayton. I think yeah. the Xavier game definitely yeah, was not optimal, but Dayton got away from us. I think that's the only team that really actually like dominated Cincinnati. So yeah. credit to the Dayton Flyers as much as we hate giving you credit. Um, you know, my last point on this, and I know you mentioned the thing about Wes's coaching. Um, and I, I think this is an important topic because there's been so much back and forth on people's opinion throughout this uh, season and whether or not Wes has enough to get it done. Uh Let's just look at it this way. Everything's been there every single game. There's not been a game that we've been out of this entire season, except for maybe that one Dayton game where I felt like we were ill-prepared. You know, of course, you're missing some pieces there, but I think when you look ahead and you look through the rest of the season, there's a legit shot that the Bearcats pull out some big wins here, and it's just a matter of time. And I think Wes has clearly shown that we have enough to get it done. We just have to find the shot have to find that one miracle thing at the end of the game, which that's not on coaching. That's purely on a guy making a shot or not. And let's, let's look at this too. Like I, I was a little peeved at the end of the game when, so Dan went up for the, uh, sorry, Dan went up to make the layup at the end of the game. Bearcats were down one trying to get the lead. 
you got 15, 16 seconds left on the clock. He misses it. We get the we get the rebound or it taps out, goes out of bounds. You then draw up a play out of the timeout. You go out to execute. Scott Drew calls a timeout. You have even more time to think about it. And then we've got the play in hand. At first, my first glance, it really looked like all of that was focused on just getting Seamus that shot. But then when you look at the court, you have three guys covered. All your options are covered. He found an open shot. He took the shot. Unfortunately, it hit the back of the iron and popped out. And you're that close. You are literally that close to making a number 14 team lose at home in the Big 12. That is such, such a far advancement from where we've been. And so I think to look at how Wes has built this team out, has structured everything. He used his timeouts at the game, end of the game. He didn't have any in his pocket. By the time the final whistle blew, he used them at the right time. I think a few of them were still a little bit later than they should have been, like when Baylor went on like a 12 or 13-point run. But he found ways to use them and to get the team back in it when we were, you know, hope seemed lost. And so I think I've been really impressed with the way that he's done that. I think it just comes down to some of these guys making shots, making the free throws, making, you know, not giving free turnovers at the end of the games. And I think we, we come out on top and I, it's Wes has done a superb job as much as it feels like it sucks because we've lost, you know, two of these games that are so close. That's my favorite thing about any college basketball podcast is the joke about making shots. And uh, we have uh, reached that level on this podcast. Everyone <laughs> got to do the make shots thing. Yeah. Make your shots. I mean, and, and you know, if you look at this game with how much Baylor struggled we struggled even harder especially from the three if you make one two three of those threes this game is completely different you crack this thing open you're talking about cracking open a, a, a top 25 team on the road so i yeah. think like i said i'm impressed we just have to get a few more of those little pieces together and the bearcats are rolling hopefully all the way to the ncaa tournament this year we'll see we'll see real quick at 500 um, to so if we want to reach the NCAA tournament, I've said that we probably have to go eight and ten or nine and nine in conference. Looking at the rest of the way, using the Q uh the quadrants, we have three more games against Q three teams and one more game against quad four teams. Those are two games against West Virginia and two home games against Oklahoma State and Texas State. Uh, sorry, uh, Kansas State. So three out of those four games are at home. If you can win those four games and just find three or four wins among the other quad one C, I feel pretty good about our chances. Now, you know, maybe they'll put in a mid-major team who's won like 35 games or something ahead of us, but now we get the benefit of the doubt of playing a Big 12 schedule and being able to say, look at our quad one record, baby. So I'm hoping that, again, like I said, win those four games that you're supposed to win and find three to four more wins within the quad one C there. And I think you've got a good shot of seeing your name be called on selection Sunday. Yeah. And you know, credit to the net too. It's not completely 100% about wins and losses. A lot of that is too, about how well you play teams, how close you play teams. And if Bearcats keep that up, you got to find your wins. But I think there's a legit chance that that happens at the end of the season. You might have to do a little something in the big 12 tournament, but Good odds. You just got to keep hope alive. 
that is the key. Keep hope alive. We're this close to turning key and unlocking all that. So excited for the rest of this basketball season. Steve, we've got a few other topics on the uh, docket here. One of the big ones, we're moving back to the gridiron here. Defensive coordinator Brian Brown, no longer a Cincinnati Bearcat. What's going on there? So uh, apparently he was called back to his alma mater of Ole Miss, where he's going to be co-DC with former Alabama defensive coordinator Pete Golding. Um, and then in an interesting move, uh, Georgia actually hired Alabama's most recent de- co-defensive coordinator, uh, Terry Ann Robinson, uh, as their co-defensive coordinator. So I guess this is the thing now in the SEC where you can't just have one defensive coordinator, you need two. Um, so it is a little bit concerning, though, just because this has been Satterfield's only defensive coordinator since he started, um, or Brian Brown has been on his staff for year for since 2012, since he started as a head coach. And right. um, he's been a defensive coordinator for the last seven to eight years. And I think that uncertainty is making people a little uncertain. Now we've obviously seen a couple of names. Um, Justin, I don't really understand where the Mike Mickens or the uh, Greg Scruggs, Walter Stewart thing is coming from. Maybe Walter Stewart just because he's already on the staff, but right. I mean, Mike Mickens and Greg Scruggs, like all love to them, but they're fickle guys. They're not like Mike Mickens did go to UC, but he's at Notre Dame. Like, I just don't know how Scott Satterfield is going to bring them in. Now there is a like apparently Troy's defensive coordinator. We might be interested in him. This is a developing story. We'll see, but I do kind of worry about. Well, this guy was the defensive coordinator here. He saw a chance at a co-defensive role, albeit at his alma mater, but still defensive coordinator. Like you're not really leaving for alma mater unless. Oh, defensive coordinator. Yes, co-defensive coordinator. So, uh, Justin, do you share in this worry? Yeah, I I don't think it's all hands on deck, but I think the uh, sirens are distant and I'm a little concerned because you have a guy, like you said, that's been with him so long. That's a very well built out relationship. And then the second you move to another program, you got one bad season and that guy's out the gate and he's been with him all the other seasons. So I, I understand that maybe he's looking for a way that maybe he can level up, but I just don't see how there's that ladder that he can climb any higher than being where he's at currently with Cincinnati as a defensive coordinator to just take another DC job. I I just don't see it, but you know, maybe it was push out from Satterfield and he wants something different for the defense. Maybe it's all Brian Brown. Maybe there's a little bit of everything. You never know. We don't, we don't usually know all the details there. It is weird though, that they did it like after all the kids moved in and signed their letters of intent and I don't know how much of a recruiting force he was, but I mean, we saw LSU do that. So it's not the same as us. We didn't push him out. He left on his own. Right. Um, but it is just, I don't know. It's just a little bit worrying to me. I'm trying folks. I'm trying to just be behind Scott and like just trying to at least see some success here. But um, I think I'm at the point, Justin, where uh, it, you probably can't do it after year two. We probably don't have the buyout money, but year three and we're not making a bowl. I think you got to let him and Cunningham go and start fresh. Um, yeah. I, I'm putting it on the table now. I don't think it's really like that shocking for a school that went to the college football playoff less than two years ago to be in that position. But, you know, it's, it's just going to be more, even more competitive in the new big 12 where, you know, there's not really 
one ascendant power. It's 16 teams that are all kind of in the same area of the sport and probably recruiting at the same level. And if you're losing within that group, like you can find someone better. There's not, there's no longer going to be a Texas and an Oklahoma. And, you know, he did some good things in the transfer portal was able to bring in some guys, obviously elder fan, elder alum here, excited about bringing back Joe Royer from Ohio state. But I just, I don't think it's going to be enough. Like we've consistently been ranked to finish last in way too early ratings this year, losing the, losing your defensive coordinator to a co DC role is a tough look. And Again, I want to believe in Scott, but like so far, no message about how it's going to get better. Only just like having players with him at his final press conference to make sure that he wasn't like getting skewered with questions. It's it's just not, I just don't think it's good enough right now, Justin. And everybody knows that I'm not really saying anything groundbreaking there, but it's not. And he's got the next two seasons to really prove it. Cause I don't think we, we have the money right now to fire him after one season, after two seasons. Yeah. And I think when you look forward through this season and into next season, you have to really measure that against wins. There's not really much else that you get at this point. The first season was kind of just your trial period, but when you're in the big 12, those wins matter. And especially when you lose Texas and you lose Oklahoma Brandon, you're adding, you know, a team like Utah, who's been pretty good as of late. You're adding a team like Arizona, who's been good as of late. RIP to our Arizona Wildcat fans and friends there. Uh, sorry about Jed Fish. Welcome to the Big 12, baby. This is what happens when you come up. You get yoinked. So yeah. sorry about your head coach doing that to you. Been there, done that. Uh, same to Washington. Sorry about your head coach doing that when you get up to the college football playoff. Been there, done that. We feel bad for you. Um I think, you know, one of the biggest things for me when we look forward to the next two seasons is, like you said, that bowl eligibility line. I think this year was the one where it's like, you got to get something out of the bag next year, this season in 2024. I think that's the point that you have to hit bowl eligibility. And if you don't, I think you miss the mark. And I don't know how much time is left to build that back out. Of course, coaches need time, but this is not a thing where it's like, just my opinion, this is a fan base wide thing. People are feeling very impatient. And I think when you have a lot of noise on the outside, it depends on how close Cunningham and Satterfield are and how close the, you know, board feels with Cunningham and feels with all these guys. But when there's a lot of outside pressure, there's usually a lot of inside pressure too. So, you know, you got to get some good looks and get some good wins there. Hopefully it happens, but right now still a little shaky ground um this is something justin that is not shaky ground (laughs) is charliehustle.com go over to charliehustle.com shop the big 12 support your secondary school that is not a big 12 school shout out to eddie middlebrook by the way text uh baylor fan who uh, interacts with the show all the time on twitter he should probably go buy some baylor stuff from (laughs) charliehustle.com use that code 10 12 15 15% 15% off your first order. They just released a bunch of cool stuff. Justin, I was even intrigued by a Houston Cougar shirt. That's how impressive some of their stuff was. But by the way, just had to sneak that in there. CharlieHustle.com, promo code 101215, 50% off, 15% off your first order. <laughs> yeah. And uh, last thing, Steve, round us out. Big 12, guess what? Women's basketball, Katrina Merriweather. Got her first win in conference. Shout out to the team. Um, and now every 
football, basketball, and uh, men's basketball and women's basketball all have a win against the Big 12 team. We just got to win another game against the legacy Big 12 team, and then we'll officially really be in this thing. So whoever does it first, let's figure it out. I think that's all for today, folks. You know what they say. Viva. Sports Social Podcast Network.